Welcome to a bonus episode of The Creationist, a podcast about people who create. I'm your host, Steve Waxman. While my wife does the baking, I do most of the cooking at home. So since I already had Roger Mooking on the line for our previous episode called Creative Cooking, I thought that I'd take advantage and ask him a few questions about what were the essentials needed in the kitchen to be able to prepare a more interesting meal. Our conversation might have started out about food, but by the end we had blurred the lines between fulfilling your life with food and just fulfilling your life. For this bonus episode, I first asked Roger about developing the dredge for the fried chicken dish he talked about in the creative cooking episode. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I suggest that you start there. You, you, ta- you talked about experimenting with the dredge and getting the dredge just right. And I'm wondering, you know, a lot of us that are in the kitchen, I mean, everybody that listens um, cooks to some degree. Most of us are not brave enough to go outside outside our comfort zone and, you know, and just repeat what we do over and over and over again. When you're trying to figure out how to mix the right spices into the dredge, I mean, what is that process? How long does it, how, how many times are you frying that chicken till you, you know, till you get it right? What kinds of, not necessarily, you don't have to tell me the secret recipe, but it's like you're trying different things in, in the flour, right? And so, I mean, it's cumulative knowledge, right? So, you know, yeah. I've fried chicken with just all-purpose flour. I've fried yeah. chicken different ways. I've fried chicken without, you know, marinating it in buttermilk for 24 hours. So, you know, over like 20 years, you figure out different tricks. And then you're like, so in my head, now it's to the point where I could taste things in my head. I could be like, okay, fennel, star anise, uh, chili paquin, beef. I could taste that. In my my brain tastes it. You know, it's like uh, some musicians have synesthesia where they play a chord and they see colors, right? Mm-hmm. I have that with food now at this point. I could I could like just imagine it, and I I, I can physically taste it in my mouth, right? Wow. So when it comes to that point of being able to like, okay, how do we come up with this dredge? I can process it the physics of it in my head. What's A, B, what's A ingredient going to do to this dredge? What's B going to do to this dredge? What's C going to do to this dredge? And how is B and C going to interact together? How is A and C going to interact together? How is B and A going to interact together? And I can imagine that. So I play that out in my head in a variety of ways first. Mm -hmm. And then I start to create a few different dredges and, and try it and just see which one is better. And then try them at different cooking temperatures, right? So try cooking it at 300 for 15 minutes. Try cooking it at 325 for 12 minutes. Try try cooking it at 350 for 10 minutes with this different dredges. So you go through that and, you know, it took me a day or two to come up with the perfect dredge, the perfect uh, the perfect temperature, the perfect marinade, the perfect, <laughs> perfect basil amount of crunch, the perfect amount of togarashi, what type of togarashi, and we make our own blend, right? So mm-hmm. what goes in that art togarashi, why, how, and you, I could t- taste and formulate that in my head at this point, right? For those of us who are uh, kitchen chefs, uh, home chefs, or home chefs, home cooks, um, is there anything that we should have in the kitchen that we probably don't currently have that we should be using more of in terms of a spice that maybe we don't use enough of because we don't know how it can complement more than, you know, like if, we, if we're doing something simple, like perhaps roasting broccoli, 
you know, what do you put on broccoli apart from salt and pepper to, you know, make it, you know, make it taste nice or, you know, things like that. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, let's go let's start at the most rudimentary thing and you say salt and pepper, right? Mm-hmm. When you say salt and pepper, I think of 200 things. <laughs> There's like green peppercorns that are, that are uh, cured. There's green peppercorns that are dried. There's white peppercorns. There's Szechuan peppercorns. There's a variety of black peppercorns. So if you want to go just down peppercorns, we can have crazy with that all day. Like I say papaya seeds, I dry them out and I use those like peppercorns and ingredients. So you could go on peppercorns alone for a hundred and you get vastly dynamic different things. And if you think it's just try white pepper versus black pepper, completely different flavor experience. You add Szechuan peppercorn, which is like, uh, you know, in ancient China, they used to use it, uh, dentists used to use it because it has a numbing effect on the palate. Like literally it goes numb at the nervous, it, uh, it interacts with the, the synapse and the nervous system to create a numbing effect, right? So you add, add that, it's a very uh, important dish and a dish called Mapo Tofu, a very classic Chinese dish called Mapo Tofu. And it's floral, um, but also has this kind of numbing peppery component to it. Not numbing like spicy chilies, kind of well, ah, numb your face off, but like tingling, numbing, right? So just on peppers alone, we can talk for a month. Salt, very similarly, you know, you see like kosher salt, sea salt, you know, some friend of mine brought me some sea salt from Portugal. That's very different from the sea salt that you get in the Netherlands, Antilles, or in Mexico, for instance. There's black salts, there's Himalayan pink salts, there's flavored salts with like porcini salts, um, chili salts, tomato salts. So just starting on salt and pepper alone on your broccoli, you could exhaust your lifetime just using different salt and pepper combinations wow all right (laughs) no and then you go like olive oil okay then add olive oil to the broccoli right oh my god it's like italian olive oil portuguese olive oil spanish olive oil from different regions of each one of those countries um just all day long you can just go crazy with olive oil alone too right there are so many options where where does one go to find to you know, to get a little bit more exotic, to you know. Okay, first of all, I, I hate that word exotic, right? Well, I in in this, I mean, exotic means outside of North York. Outside <laughs> exotic means matter, outside of North matter York. perception. That's a, that's a perception issue, right? This is absolutely because I realize the people in in Portugal think that we're exotic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a point of relativity, right? But continue. No, so I, okay. The foods of the world yes. are not easily accessible Wrong. to us. Wrong. That's what I wanted to hear. So where do we find these things? Just leave your regular neighborhood and go to the next neighborhood over. Or find in your neighborhood, I guarantee you, you could be in Rosedale, the bougiest, whitest neighborhood. There's one store that's got a lockdown on like Argentinian or South American ingredients. Just walk up in there. <laughs> Right. If you live in Scarborough, it's like this is multicultural everywhere. You go to Richmond Hills, it's, you're surrounded, right? Mississauga, you're surrounded. Hamilton, you're surrounded. But if you live in one of those very like uh, Eurocentric insular neighborhoods, and I'm not assuming that you do, but if you do, I guarantee within very close proximity, you could find it if, if you care to look for it. Okay. All right. And if you don't want to stay, you go to go to your, you know, your local bougie gourmet 
food place. Mm-hmm. And they often have things there too, you know, or you go to a grocery store that like, um, there's a variety of, of price conscious grocery stores out there that you go find. There's one by me and I, you know, we live in a nice neighborhood, right? And uh, you go there and you find like date syrup from Morocco. You find dim uh, sum dumplings from China. You, you can find it all, man. You just got to be willing to extend your circumference a little bit. Do you have, do you have a favorite way of cooking? Are you, do you prefer the grill versus the barbecue or the, I'm, I'm thinking of the kitchen grill as opposed to the outdoor barbecue, but a barbecue pit. Do you have a, a way that you prefer to cook? I prefer to cook experimentally. So it's, it's different every day. I, you know, at home, I don't cook the same thing twice. If I'm cooking something for a restaurant, it better be the same thing twice every single time, exactly the same for my customer, right? But when I'm at home, it's perpetual, perpetual experimentation. So I might pull out the baskets to steam stuff one day, the steamer trays. I might pull out uh, my, my live fire grill. I may set up some bricks in my backyard to make up a little grill and do coals or wood. I may use um, the stovetop, the oven, the broiler in the oven. People don't even use their broiler in their oven, right? So it really depends on what I have. It always starts with when I go to the grocery store, what looks the freshest. And you you shop the sales too, right? Yo, this is a good sale on strip loins this week. (laughs) I'm going to cop them strip loins because they look good. Or I go to my local butcher and I'm like, yo, that skirt steak is looking on point, right? So it always starts with what's available and and makes sense and looks the freshest. And then I just stock up the fridge. And at this point, uh, you know, I sit down in the morning and be like, oh, what do I want to eat? What's in the fridge? Uh, I taste it in my head. Then I just go make it. And so it's just a matter of what the mood is that day, how much time is available. Um, what did we have last night? Because I'm not going to replicate that again, you know, so we don't have beef two nights in a row or chicken two nights in a row kind of thing, right? The kids picky? Uh, you know, we don't cook for everybody's palate. Six people in my house, we cook one meal. You eat it or you don't eat it. So, you know, over time they've learned, you know, they love curry chicken and roti and they love chong fun from the dim sum restaurant and cha su pao. Um, they love pierogies and kobasa. They love... Polish sausage, summer sausage. They love grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> like they love spaghetti and meatballs. They love gnocchi with sage and grilled lemons and truffle oil. <laughs> like it's like they they eat what they eat or they don't eat it, and that's what we make, and that's how it is. Take it or leave it. So, what do you? What's the future hold for you? Where Where are you going? What's next? You know, I really just, I love to make things, man. I like to make things. And whether those are restaurants, books, TV shows, albums, videos, uh, experiences, you know, I love to make things. So I have a few things on deck that I'm already well down the pipe on, some really cool shit (laughs) i'm very excited about a bunch of them but i don't like to talk about things until they pop you know i'm just 
what you see now is what you see now. I'm doing a lot of work right now with the city of Toronto around their Awakenings Initiative, which is around uh, systemic racism and mental health. So I'm very passionate about that at the moment. And there's a lot more to come over the next few years around that. Um, but I just want to contribute to make things, um, throw them out into the world so people can appreciate them, but also use them as tools to bring people together. You know, my uh, my motto in life is is to uh, use use my talents and my tools to bring people together. So like I told you, food is one of those vessels that I use as a storytelling medium. Making music is another vessel that I use as a storytelling medium. And creating experiences is another thing. So just look out. There's lots of really cool stuff coming, man. I'm always on up to something. Guaranteeing that. No, that's great. You know, it, it's funny. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, I mean, it's great that you have so many things in your head that you want to get out and create and share with people. But I think a lot of times people um, uh, people handcuff themselves by having so many ideas that they don't know where to start. They don't know how to, you know, how to get things going. So how do you get, how do you get all this stuff going when you have so many ideas all at once flowing out of you? You just do it. It's amazing how much you can do when you just start doing it and stop thinking about doing it. The amount of time, it takes the same amount of time to think about doing something as it does to actually start doing it. So I'll think about something for 10 years, right? But in those 10 years, I'm doing the things that I thought of 10 years previous, <laughs> right? And so while I'm doing the thing now, I'm still bubbling about the thing that I've been thinking about for 10 years. So the stuff I'm actually creating now that you may see in one to two years, I've maybe been thinking about that for five years, but I've been working on it from 2021, but you won't see it till 2023, right? So just stop thinking too much or, or, or while you're doing, think, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And just do it, man. It's amazing. Like we, we, we block our, you're right. People block themselves from doing just by not doing. And if that's fear of failure or man, Steve, you know, you know how many times I've failed. You know, some of how many times I've failed, right? But I don't look at none of them as failures. You know, you hear the cliche. It's like, it's all cumulative information. One flop album makes you make the next album that's really great, <laughs> right? Because you, you operate differently, you move differently around it, right? And so it's all cumulative. So everything is cumulative. So just, just do it. Like you know, I always say Nike has the best, Nike, see, Nike, they got the best slogan, man. Just, just do it. <laughs> just go out and do it. No, I, 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 I say daily to people, it's like, you know, nobody ever learned anything by being right all the time. Go out and make some mistakes and then you can learn plenty. You learn so much. You know, I was just telling a friend of mine the other day, there's more that I don't know than what I do know. So what my mission is, is to close that gap in the breath of my life as much as possible. And by the time I die, you know, let's say I live to 100, you know, willing. Um, hopefully that gap is a little bit smaller, but I will still die at a hundred with a, knowing a lot less than I do know, but it'll be a little bit, a little bit closer. <laughs> I always hope that you leave each episode of The Creationist inspired to go out and create for yourself. 
I hope that my conversation with Roger proved to you that you can create as many things as you want if you just follow your passions. If you're enjoying The Creationist, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and new episodes will be delivered to you as soon as they go live. You can also follow The Creationist podcast on Facebook and Instagram for photos, videos, and additional stories about our guests. And if you have any friends that you think might be interested in what we're doing, please let them know that we exist. The Creationist is mastered in post-production by Paul Ferrand. I'm Steve Waxman, and I created this podcast. Thank <laughs> you.